0: Welcome back to the 1-2 Kentucky Blue Podcast. I'm your host, Coach John Spurlock. Thank you so much for joining us today. Great episode today. We have three female strength coaches. On, and I should say one of them is a former strength coach. Uh, that's Stephanie Tracy Simmons, better known as CTS, is the former head strength and conditioning coach for Olympic sports here at Kentucky. She is the person that hired me on here back in 2006. And then I have our current assistant strength and conditioning coach, Brendan McDonald, and then coach Emily Guyman as well. They are talking about uh, being a woman in the field of strength and conditioning and in the sport of weightlifting. We hope you enjoy it. Steph, I asked um, our staff the other day if you could change one thing in this world, anything in this world, what would you change?
1: Ooh. What were the other answers?
0: No, nope, no, nope. you just got to choose your own answer.
1: What would I change in the
0: world? Anything in the world. You can be as general or as specific as you want.
1: I think it would be just to, yeah, get rid of hate and just have
0: love. That's a good one. I think B said get rid of the coronavirus. <laughs>
2: Yeah, after so I like, heard of everyone else's which were much more profound and impactful on the world, I was like, ooh, I could have I could have done better with that. No,
0: I think that's a great one. That's that that affects everybody in this world. If that thing wasn't here, then the world yeah. would be a better place.
1: Yeah. Remove remove hate and evil.
0: Yeah.
1: Well, I guess that's if you just if you remove evil, then I guess you remove hate. So
0: what I've been trying to do is just do a little icebreaker because we have our interim meeting. And then we have our staff meeting right afterwards without the interns. And a lot of times it's, I don't want it to flow right into our staff meeting. So kind of give a little bit of a break, something fun to think about between the two meetings. Um, It's good to hear people's perspectives. And that's why we're here today, is to hear your perspectives on being a female in the strength and conditioning profession, uh, the sport of weightlifting, because all three of you have competed in some way, shape, or form in the sport of weightlifting. Steph, it's been a while since the last time you laced up your uh, lifters. Um, and then even diving I- even a little bit more into athletics in general. So Steph has been a strength coach, and she's moved down to administration and just seen what your all's thoughts are in terms of the, the, the struggles that you might face as, as a, a female in the strength, conditioning, weightlifting, athletics world. Um, but Guyman is somebody who has been on staff for a little over a year. Uh, she graduated her undergraduate in um, May 2019. That's right, Guyman? Yes. Then BMAC, when did you graduate from Oshkosh? 2016.
2: 2016,
0: and you recently were hired on? As a full-time strength coach here, you had been part of our program as a volunteer intern, paid intern, graduate assistant, so you filled all the roles. Um, and then Steph has obviously been on staff for uh, quite a while. She was the person that hired me on as a strength coach for many years and has moved on to administration and has even jumped around in terms of the units that she works in. So Steph's been on the podcast before being... Uh, given her sp- uh, perspective on uh, going from sports performance to life performance. And now she currently works in the student athlete experience division here at UK. Um, but Steph, I'm going to start with you. So you first got into strength and conditioning when you were a graduate assistant at Ohio University. What year was that?
1: Uh, 1997 to
0: 1998. And Guymon, you, how old were you in 1997? I was born. You were born. So <laughs> <laughs> as a female strength coach back then, stuff. what, and I don't want to pigeonhole, pigeonhole you in this question, but what are the things that you have seen that has, that has evolved with time? Uh, did, just give me your thoughts on, you know, what it was like back then to how you perceive it now.
1: Um, well, I would just say um, I think the, the number of women in the profession has really increased. Um, you know, I had, the, I had the opportunity to sit inside of a master's, or I guess it was just the, the collegiate strength and conditioning coaches association. They do a women's breakfast and they did a virtual session this year and I had the opportunity to do that and typically I'm not able to make those uh, conferences because it conflicts with another uh, administrative duty that I have so I've missed that conference for several years now and so the ability to do it virtually it was really uplifting because there were over 120 participants as women in that call and I can remember when I first started um, and I, you know, the the CSCCA had just started, um, there were m- enough women to fill one round table, and most round tables seat eight people, so there's definitely a shift in more women in the profession.
0: What, a, I'm trying to think of some of the, yourself included, that have been in this profession um, in strength and conditioning since, I don't want to say since it started, but since you started in strength and conditioning, I think of Rachelle at Texas A&M, uh, Crow at UT Arlington, um, Torman. is she still at UAB? UAB. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so there's still quite a few handful female strength coaches that are still in the in the business. Uh, and I'll pass this over to BMAC, so as you were coming up through the ranks, and thinking about getting the strength and conditioning, were those female strength coaches that have been around for a while, did you look up to them? Did you know who they were? Uh, Did you understand that there were not that many women in this field?
2: Not really. Um, The more I look back to my start in the field, the, the more I realize how little I actually knew about it. Um, I had a coach that was in a private sector that, you know, kind of got me hooked and interested in kinesiology. And then when I went to Oshkosh, we just started doing observations there. And I never knew names of of famous coaches of any gender. I never knew, um, you know, the history of the landscape of the field. I just kind of knew I wanted to train athletes. And it really wasn't until I got to Iowa and then mostly Kentucky until you know, you'd be in conversations with other coaches on our staff or GAs and interns and stuff, and they're like, hey, did you see what this guy put out? Or, hey, have you read this and stuff? And that's when I started to learn the names of other coaches um, and, and get to know, like, who were names to know and who were, whose work should you look at. So it really wasn't for a long time until I knew those names.
0: Guyman, what was your thought getting into this profession, which was last year? Um, <laughs> uh, kind of the same question to you. Did you did you – you know, seek out other female strength coaches, and did you understand that the uh, it's kind of in low numbers. There's women aren't as abundant as men in this profession.
3: Yeah, um same thing with BMAC. I, you know, wasn't really familiar with the big names in strength and conditioning when I was first starting out, and kind of once I got, you know, around more of my fellow interns and full times, they're like, "Hey, did you check out that you know this person's content?" And I was like, "Who's that?" And you know, would research more that way. Um but when I first started out I definitely, you know, noticed like there's either I'm working with no female full times so or I'm working with only one and then the rest are all male. Or I had one female full time that I worked with tell me like, Are you sure you wanna go into strength and conditioning? Like, do you wanna start a family? Those are things like you have to think about, like if you can like, you know, really handle that. And I was like, I mean, that's not on my mind right now, but I know I want to do strength and conditioning, so that's what I want to do. So, um I have been discouraged a little bit in that route, but I'm like, I'm, you know, I feel like it's almost like an added challenge that I enjoy. I'm like, you know, I'm not, there's not a ton of females, but I like being that like female. That's kind of like, you know, different, like, you know, if there's like a lot of men in a room, like I can be like that, I guess, you know, female voice, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Going back to Steph, uh, when you were at UCLA, one of the teams that everybody worked with was football. Kind of talk about your experience with football, how that helped you grow as a strength coach, and even into the role that you took over at Kentucky.
1: Yeah, working with football there was such an incredible opportunity, and I didn't realize what an opportunity it was at the time. Um, And I didn't realize, you know, how – how few women even get a chance to do that, especially at a power five division one level. Um, you know, the year that I started at UCLA, they won the PAC 12 championships in football. So they were very, very good. They missed the national championship game by, by one loss. So they were a very good team. Um, and, and the ability to work with them really kind of opened my, my, my mindset and just, um, really helped me, um, expand my skill set. But I will say this, and I think it's really important to know that I had, you know, I was the only woman on staff, and I had men that gave me the opportunity, and they treated me like a teammate. And I, I, I I came up against a lot of resistance from the athletes, you know, because keep in mind, I was probably 23 when I was coaching those guys. And so I'm very close in age and um, I came up against a lot of resistance from them and even some of the football coaches um, and my, um, my team, my supervisors all had my back and they all really, um, I don't want to use, they just really uplifted me and they helped me um, become one of them. And once they, um, they supported me in that way, that allowed me to grow. If I hadn't had that support, I really think my career in strength and conditioning would have been a lot different.
0: So one thing that I think of uh, when Steph became the head strength coach for Olympic sports at Kentucky, she oversaw all the teams and it was just her at first. And then her first assistant, Jeff Sides came on board, but um, it didn't matter if it was a female sport or a male sport. Uh, Steph had some sort of hand in their training. And it is a thought, and I feel like that this uh, notion that women cannot coach male athletes is dwindling um, by the minutes. But there are still people out there that don't feel like, um, you know, a, a woman can be the head strength coach for a football team or a men's basketball team. But throwing it to BMAC, you've worked with our men's soccer team for quite a while, just like Steph did when she first got to Kentucky, um, and even as we were trying to fill, uh, your GA spot that you ended up earning in, as I think through that position, it dealt a lot with male sports. So it was men's cheer. Um, it, so I typically always filled that role with a, with, with a male strength coach, but then you came along and really solidified my thought process that I don't need to be looking for a gender. It doesn't matter if it's a man or woman, I want the best person to fill that role. And that was a point of view that I definitely got from Steph. And that's something that she always preached that we wanted the best person uh, to fill a position, that it matter if it was in a a full-time position, a uh, a GA spot or a volunteer intern spot. Um, So BMAC, talk with me as you've been the, and you helped me out with soccer for years, but now you're the full-time strength coach for our men's soccer team. What are some of the struggles that you had to go through when you first started with that team, and now that you took it over 100%?
2: Well, I'd first like to start off and just reiterate what Steph said about the support and having, you know, males that kind of helped support that and stand by them, and and the more female coaches that I listen to about this topic, I mean, we've attended the Cincinnati Clinic for years where Corliss Fingers talks and, and everybody always stresses that. And so going into that GA role, it was something that I, at first I was like, yes, they got this role. And then when I started to look at it, I was like, man, I'm following this six foot plus super bearded guy, that all these teams are really used to, you know, how's this going to go? And uh, I'm thankful that you were so supportive in that because there was some resistance. I mean, in that one GA role, I had men's cheer, men's tennis and men's golf. Um, and then I also had women's golf, but all three of those teams were used to a male male figure for years. And so, you know, most coaches were, were pretty cool with it. I had one or two that we had some bumps just kind of um, kind of re- reassigning roles and, and how that would be, I think, um, you know, cultural things play into account with a lot of those teams as well of, of defining what the women in the workplace does. But um, I think not only with every single one of those teams that I had, there was a, a bit of hesitation at first, like, wait, what, this, this small blonde girls are our coach now? Um, especially with men's cheer, I think they're, they take on sort of a football-esque type of environment in the weight room. Um, And they, you know, they yell a lot, they have that same kind of screaming, pushing, you know, hard weight room culture. Um, And so when it was first introduced to them that I would take over for them, and then even throughout the, you know, the years that I ran them, um, I'd say I got 90% respect, and there were still 10% of them that were like, I I don't, you know, I'm still going to ask all the other interns that are males around you if this is right, because, you know, I just, they didn't have that buy-in. So I don't, and I'm not going to claim to have the struggles that I think Steph or many of the people that were the, the few pioneers that um, started this field. Like I, I don't know half the pain that they went through going through a lot of this and paving the way for, you know, someone like me or even Guyman now coming after me. I definitely noticed that there were several times where it was like, I didn't, I had to work harder for that buy-in or I had to, you know, work harder for that approval. Or even some of those coaches would talk to recruits and be like, man, she's harder on them than we are. Um, which always kind of rubbed me the wrong way. It was like, yeah, I am. Um, So I know that it's much easier, like you said, now, and it's not nearly as prevalent of an issue as it used to be, but it's definitely something that um, I had to fight. With men's soccer now, I think, like you said, I mean, a lot of it comes down from the coaches with any team and in every aspect of what we do in this job. If the coach supports it, quite often you really don't have as hard of a time implementing anything with your team. Um, but I even think there are sometimes with some of the international students that come over and they're not used to seeing a, a woman in this type of role. And, um, you know, you get those comments every now and then from either the coaches or or those athletes where it's like, well, they have a harder time listening to you because of this. And it's like, no, like <laughs> you need to have my back and you need to to respect this. So I think it, it, a lot of it is that I've also had strong leaders to look up to as women. So, you know, it helps that I have you and, and our whole staff that supports me, but then I've also watched a lot of people that have been strong figures and and seeing that and and knowing that I'm not going to take that when those situations do present themselves.
0: Kind of going back to a point that you made earlier, uh, which is people supporting you. And obviously we did uh, when you became our uh, GA and then a full-time staff member as well. But the easiest thing for me to do was when I told Johan Settergren, our men's soccer our head coach for a men's soccer team I was like I'm hiring Brenda McDonald he goes that's who I want so that made it super easy and it, there was no controversy there was no issue but Steph kind of throwing it back to you when whether you were at UCLA or when you first got to Kentucky was there a lot of pushback from the head coaches from the men's teams that uh, a woman was going to be in the weight room as their strength coach
1: well, I wouldn't say pushback from, you know, certain, you know, genders or what specifically, you know, when I came to Kentucky, the culture was much different. And when I interviewed for this job, it was, it was a round table of all of the sport coaches I was going to be working with. So picture this, I interviewed and I'm sitting in a wildcat den and they've got a horseshoe tape, all long tables like it's a huge meeting and I'm in this little chair and all of the sport coaches that I would be working with were around the table asking me questions. So I was fielding questions from all of the coaches that I would have been, that I would be working for. So, you know, I tried to be as authentic and genuine inside of that so that they knew who I was when I came. And, you know, there were things that I probably said that they didn't like just in terms of like, when we would train and how I would manage the weight room because it was a it was a much different system than what they were used to in terms of people coming into the weight room whenever they wanted it was a card system there wasn't a lot of accountability there were a lot of people who had keys to the weight room and it was just kind of a free access type of thing and not a lot of structure and again that's that's not um you know that's not to say that that system didn't work at that time but you know, I was hired around the same time as Mitch Barnhart. And so, you know, the culture was shifting, the culture was changing. So the grace and timing per- permitted itself to lend where when I came in, yes, there was resistance, but the timing of it was, um, which was good, bad, or indifferent, it was, um, people were jumping on board regardless because they didn't want to, they didn't want to, you know, rock the boat with a new athletics director, if that makes sense. So in a way... Um, yes, I had resistance, just based inside of philosophies and you know how I was going to approach certain things. But um, in another way, the timing of it actually worked out to be really beneficial for me.
0: So going back to that interview that you had with all the sport coaches that you would be working with, you having to field questions. The one thing you said that you were just trying to be authentic, and you were saying some things that they probably didn't want to hear, i.e., you know. We're probably gonna to have to train at 6 a.m. Uh, I'm gonna to have to take your keys so we can make this facility um, as safe as possible and equipment wouldn't start leaving um, after hours. What, and as an administrator now, would you still give that same advice to, uh, it doesn't matter a male or female, a strength coach that is in that same situation where they're interviewing in front of a, a round table of multiple people, multiple personalities?
1: I I think it's always important to, to be who you are. And that doesn't mean, you you know, and I think there's an important point is to, to understand how you polish what you're saying, right? Because you, your, your words leave your mouth with a certain intention, but how it, how it hits somebody else's ears, you don't have a control over that, right? And I think that it takes a special individual, um, you know, and this is something that, I'm still working on is if the delivery isn't right, I have a really hard time because all of a sudden I have these certain feelings or emotions that kind of take over my, how I receive it. And I've got to get to the spot where I've sifted through all of that. And I, I don't care the style that it's given to me in, but I want to hear the message. And so I think it's very important, especially inside of an interview, right, that you're, you're polishing your answers so that the intention that you want it to leave hits the ears of those people and is received the way you want it to, or you're best setting yourself up for it to be received that way. However, I think that there's a, there is there is without 100% certainty that you have to be honest in your answers because there's nothing worse than hiring somebody that you think is right for the job and then they turn out to be something completely different and they're you know they're not following through with what they said and and in my opinion when i sat in that chair for that interview this was a really big job i i mean think about the time i was i was 27 Okay, and, and age, again, it, it, is, it is just a number, right? But there's a timeline inside of experience that comes with the age of 27, right? So you think about it, in true honesty, I've had, you know, from age 22, 21, 22 as a GA to the age of 27, right? So I had a whole four or five years to sharpen who I was going to be as a head strength and conditioning coach of an Olympic sport director position in the SEC, And so I say that meaning there were, I came in with having a lot of, a good experience, but I, I didn't, I still had so much room to grow. And I I think it was, um, again, I think it's really just important to, to note that you have to be who you are so that people understand what, what to expect.
0: Yeah. 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 Well, you got to be next.
2: when I first came in, like I said, I replaced this six foot tall, super bearded macho guy. And, and I struggled with my identity as a coach a little bit, especially because we do a shadow year here where, you know, you follow that person you replaced for a year. And, um, I tried to be him and then I felt like I had to be over, I guess I'll say macho, you know, in a sense to try to prove to those teams and to those coaches that I can fill in and it will be a seamless thing. And, um, as you know, like I kind of lost myself in the middle of that, both as a coach and, and as a staff member and as person, you know, um, it was a a good growing year for me because I learned a lot about myself like that. But I think learning, I had to come around, you know, I didn't sit in that interview and have that authentic experience right away. Like I had to learn that I had to be me. And that in, in that sense, I gained a lot more respect and buy in from my teams as that female, when I finally just settled in and wasn't trying to be the person before me, I was just me that had command of that group. So I think that, you know, I felt that pressure a little bit of like, well, you got to come in and show that you're this big, tough person. But um, like everything, Steph said, if you're not authentic, you're not going to have that. uh, You know, you're not going to be as successful.
0: Yeah, I can I can even relate to that. So when S- Steph left the weight room and went into administration, and I took over her roles, I was trying to be Steph. Steph is super organized. She's on top of her business. She's a forward thinker, and I at the time I was trying to be her. I was trying to do everything the way she did it, and that was just creating more stress for me because. Steph is a very, uh, you know, extroverted, person-oriented. I'm very introverted, uh, task-oriented. Uh, so I still take the same principles uh, that she instilled in me and everything that she uh, gave to our program, but I just had to figure out how to do it my way. And I'm going to toss it over to Mim as a young strength coach. You know, having a presence on the floor, and going back to what bmac said she replaced replaced Mike misson, who was six foot three two hundred and whatever pounds, big dude, big beard from a presence on the floor It doesn't matter if you're working with uh, uh men or women uh the sports teams just one thing you said to me that stuck out to me, and I think it was your your summer your first summer here, which was last summer but uh, you talked about like, hey, I want to be strong. I I want to be able to somewhat look the part. Uh, I think you even mentioned like, hey, I'm trying to gain weight because I don't want to be I, I don't want to be this f- fragile uh, little person. Talk with me about you know how body language. I'm sorry, not body language, body image. Um, you know, self perception, how that's played into your short your your small career as a strength coach thus far.
3: Yeah, I mean, so I just kind of came from being an undergrad along with the student-athletes. So I was kind of, like, at the same level as them almost. Um, And so transferring over into, you know, I'm graduated, um, they're in their undergrad, you know, it was like a new mindset for me. I was like, okay, like, I have to carry myself. Like, I am their superior. I am their coach. And, like, I have an authority over them. Um, and that mindset has really helped me um, i remember you know coach d and b mac talking to me like hey like when you go you know walk the halls and you're in the nutrition room like care yourself like you're still a strength coach like you know you don't want to look into the sea of student athletes in the nutrition lab and be like oh there's guyman like is she a student athlete is she a coach like what where does she belong like you should be able to point out like that is a strength and conditioning coach so just carrying yourself, having that presence, you know, you're not goofing around with them. You are their superior. You're not there. You're not there um, like on the same level as them um, as their peer. Um, I think that's helped me a lot with just like coaching as well. You know, when whether it's your coaching women's golf or men's cheer, you you bring that same intensity to every single lift and you know, you're not, you're not treating one team one way and the other a different way um you know if someone's late to a lift you're kicking them out you hold you know your principles your values to them um and you're not trying to be buddy buddy friendly with them you don't care if they like you you're their strength and conditioning coach you're not their friend
0: i like that we don't care if anybody likes us especially me that's why i'm a jerk all the time
2: <laughs> yeah that uh that prompted something to my head and i don't know you know it's definitely if you guys felt this but I know, especially in my early years, like, I felt like I couldn't be girly on the floor. You know, like, I wouldn't wear nail polish. I wouldn't, um, you know, I didn't have earrings. And I've talked to other coaches, too, where we've kind of felt like you had to almost hide the your feminine side um, to, like, prove that you fit into this. I know when I first rolled up to Kentucky, I wore super long basketball shorts and baggy shirts. And I've talked with Carillo quite a bit about this and how that's changed. Um, and uh, for a long time, it felt like you couldn't do that or, like, you would look weaker or less, you know, of a strength coach if you didn't, you didn't hold that persona. So I don't know. Did you guys feel that yeah,
0: way? That's a really good point. Steph, what did you think? You wore makeup to work every day. You did your hair. Uh, you painted your nails. Or well, am I off on that? You didn't do that?
1: No, no. I was always too tired to even care. <laughs> yeah, you were. I didn't. Yeah, I I really pretty much looked so bad that when I started in administration, I would walk in the for the first like month I'd walk in with regular clothes and hair done and makeup and people would walk by me and not know who I was. <laughs> and that's a true story.
0: That's, I, that's people... one thing whenever we would have cat's and we would actually have anything else on doesn't, whether it was you or me, anything but shorts and t-shirts, even if we were just wearing jeans and we saw somebody out, they still wouldn't know who we were.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm yeah. I never, I never really had that struggle. As a matter of fact, it's, just kind of nice to think that I could just roll up and not really care. And it was completely okay. And then, you know, not even having to worry about like what I wore, it was always just the same sweatpants, t shirt. And then you kind of go, it saved a lot of money.
0: Yeah. I would even <laughs> say on the flip side of it, uh, we had a young strength coach that was on our staff for a very short time. Uh, and Steph, you're going to know who I'm talking about, but he would like gel his hair in the morning, um, like even like the, That just wasn't – like you said, we were just so tired. We always carried ourselves in a professional way. We always had our shirt tucked in when we were on the floor. Um, We never were unprofessional in front of the athletes or used language that uh, we wouldn't use in front of our own mothers. But, like, just like that just didn't fit with us. Even though he was a guy, he gelled his hair in the morning, he wore cologne, and he was on staff for less than a year just because that just wasn't who we were. Um, Guyman. what are your thoughts with, you know, for lack of a better term, like looking girly in the weight room? Did you think about um, that at all?
3: I agree with Steph. I don't have time in the morning to put on makeup and do my hair. I'm not like, you know, I'll brush it and I'll put it in a ponytail, but um, you know, that's about it. Um, but I definitely have had this conversation with BMAC about, like, is it appropriate to wear leggings in the weight room? Like, because, you know, they're tight, they're compression. Like, are we supposed to be wearing these baggy, you know, basketball shorts? And I'm like, you know, who cares? It's athletic, you know, gear. It's not inappropriate. And if they're being distracted by it, then there's something wrong with them and they need to change their attitude about it. You know, I don't think I need to change the way I dress, you know. They need to mature a little bit if that's an issue.
0: Yeah, I, I would say, especially on our staff, we always look professional. We're ne- we're not slobs. We don't show up and, you know, very rarely, you know, if I'm growing a beard, I have a beard, but, you know, I, I try to stay as clean shaven as I can. Uh, we shower, we wear deodorant, we brush our teeth. We're, we're not slobs, but sometimes we're just too tired from working 16-hour days to, put gel in our hair, or to do your nails, or whatever it might be, Uh, but kind of going off that point, when, going going back to the professionalism of it all, then I'll go back to Ryan Metzger, uh, Bridget Hamill, back in the day, everybody got the same gear, there was no, like, women's cuts, there was no, like, women's sizes, it was, like, everything was unisex, and when I say unisex, everything was, uh, looked like it belonged on a, Male basketball player. So the shorts were super long. You're going back to professionalism. I remember Ryan Metzger wearing shorts that were as small as we could get them from Nike, but they went, they looked like capri pants that were all the way down to her shins because she's, you know, five foot on a good day. um So even as looking professional, if Metzger did wear her own shorts or if you guys are wearing leggings and you look professional, you got your shirt tucked in, yeah, kind of going off guy, Man, I don't see what the issue is.
2: And early on in my first internship, I was told, no, like um, we had leggings on or I had running shorts and they were like, no, you, you wear basketball shorts, you wear baggier things like you you cover up any part of you and, and you, you get that out of here. And so I think that's why I kind of felt pressure too. like if you went to a wedding or something and you had your nails done, like I'm not talking get up and put on makeup at 4 a.m. before work. I just mean, in general, the small details that like kind of set you apart and show that you are feminine compared to your male coworkers. That was always at least what I felt pressured. And maybe I put that on myself or maybe it's just those initial conversations where I was told like, no, put that back on and don't wear that. Um, It it hasn't been until the last couple of years where I've started to be like, no, I am a a woman and I am like, I'm going to go to something and have pink nails, you know, And, and that doesn't make me less of a coach or less of an authority figure. And Same thing with the conference. We'd go to the conference and I remember never feeling like I looked strong enough. I never, I remember never feeling like I, I looked like a strength coach, you know, and um, you know, I was quite small and runnery when I first got here, but um, I definitely always felt the pressure to like Emily said in your original question, like look the part and carry yourself like a strength coach. And I think that's kind of where all that came from.
0: I think that goes both ways. So as a a female, you might not feel like you're as strong as you, you don't look as strong as you want to when we go to our strength conference, but I can tell you, no doubt in my mind, that's how I felt when I was a young strength coach as well. a little bit of insecurity, um, but you know, what I tend to judge people on is not by the not how they look, but the you know if we do have a conversation at the conference, you know what is the what is the content that we're talking about are they do they Is it something that I can take away? Are they educated? Do they have good thoughts, do they have logical thoughts um, so I think as more, as more people drift towards that frame of mind, like a good strength coach is somebody that, you know, their programs are based in science. They're able to convey their message. They're personable um, and able to communicate to their student athletes and everybody else on their staff. That checks off the box in, in my head that, yep, that's a good strength coach, not that their biceps are 40 inches in diameter and that they, they got a 800-pound back squat.
1: Well, I think what we're talking about, too, just kind of goes back to where we began is just knowing who you are, right, and understanding who you are and your identity. And, you know, as I mentioned before, that's a timeline for each of us to kind of figure out what that looks like, right? Because we all go through different seasons of life and we go through different areas. But, you know, I always felt somewhat of a responsibility, especially as being a a woman inside of the weight room, to have a confidence and a confidence about me that was higher or I don't even want to say higher. It was just where people saw me for that and not necessarily what I looked like. And in all honesty, I wanted to look somewhat rough. I wanted to look healthy, but women suffer from body image issues more than, you know, as we all know. Right. And I think having a strong woman who is fine being in her own skin looking the way she wants to look if she's professional, um, as long as she's professionally dressed, right? Whatever that looks like for your institution and your, you know, the parameters that are set there. But I think that it's very, very important as women leaders that we really help establish what a healthy body image looks like. And, and, you know, I just, you know, what John just said, it's so vitally important is, you know, I, I feel that as a woman, um, in the field, you better have really high confidence. You better know what you're doing and you better have a competent a confidence that when you're with someone that you're able to stand your own ground and you're able to have a professional discussion. And when you are given opportunity, you better be able to capitalize on it. You better be able to produce inside of the opportunities. And I guess that's one thing inside of my career, like I've talked about, I've been given quite a few opportunities and at that time, the people that had the hiring authority were men. And then the majority of strength and conditioning women are an underrepresented minority. And, you know, most of the hiring authority rests in men, rests with men inside of strength and conditioning. And, you know, I, I think back to that and I'm like, I've been given opportunity, but I would never have moved through my career if I didn't produce. And every, every opportunity I've been given, I've worked very, very hard, had, had a deliberate plan, a very intentional system and helped grow a, a culture that has taken people to a successful spot. And, you know, if there's anything, you know, inside of my career that I would take away is that, you know, it took courage for me to be in a profession where there were so few women in the field, but on the other side of the coin, it took courage for the men to hire me because I was such a minority at that point in time. And I think that's where we got to get to is the weight room is where courage is built. The weight room is where people learn to take risks and fail every single day. That's how you actually get stronger is by failing, right? You, you rep out and you max and you fail. Well, that's okay. And that's, that's creating a, a you know that's creating grit that's creating perseverance and that's creating courage and at the end of the day that's why I loved strength and conditioning because all the lessons that I learned even growing through as a as a woman in the field they've all transpired to grow me professionally and have allowed me to remain curious and have allowed me to have different opportunities so that I can continue to grow myself so that I can pour into other people
0: boom that's why we love UCTS that statement right there guyman and bmac you probably don't know this but we have our summer t-shirts every year you know this and typically it's just like one saying kentucky strong um i think the first shirt do you remember the first shirt maybe it was like excellence demands more stuff that's probably what the first shirt said uh but one summer i think you gave uh you were the, the guest speaker at the volleyball banquet in whatever it was, 2009 maybe. And the speech that you gave was so impactful, just like the statement you just gave to us, that we put her, a big portion of her speech on the back of the shirt. I need to find that. I definitely don't have that shirt. Maybe Monica has it. Monica keeps all that stuff. I'm going to to find that shirt to get that quote. Um, transitioning a little bit. And I thought as we were, as I'm getting prepped for this podcast episode, one thing I thought of, and Steph, I was not on staff when this happened, but you were the strength coach for men's soccer. And they were lifting. I think they were hitting cleans that day. One of the men's soccer players, I don't know, maybe said something to you, like, don't tell me what to do. You can't even do this. And then you just walked over there and then power cleaned whatever weight was on the bar uh with no warm-up no hesitation slammed it down and that was that and then he probably shut his mouth but trans- is that story true yeah that's a true story correct I just didn't make that up
1: it was a clean jerk with
0: 110 no way no so yeah. warm-up 110 kilos
1: I'm just saying <laughs> I'm just saying I was fired up that day
0: it was 110 kilos
1: N- kilos yeah, yeah, yeah. Kilos. That, was, that makes
0: that makes Pounds. it a better story we'll say kilos. It,
1: yeah <laughs> kilos
0: Still a badass story, uh, but transitioning into uh, something that has always been a part of our program since you took over is the sport of weightlifting. You were a weightlifter uh, with Mike Berger in California. Uh, you uh, brought that to Kentucky. Scott Willis got onto that train and was a driving force into myself getting into weightlifting. Uh, Now that Coach Wood has been on staff for five to six years, however long it's been, he's gotten gotten to the sport of weightlifting. He's done a really good job with his technique, and he's also brought on BMAC and Guyman onto his little weightlifting – we'll call it a team. They call themselves Woods Weightlifting Women. They have T-shirts. He programs for them. BMAC's done an amazing job with improving her technique and strength. Exact same. Um, they competed in a competition in January. That's when it was on my birthday, January eleventh. We competed at Big Blue Strength in their their Winter Slam weightlifting competition, which was super fun. Um, I was the first person to start uh, an official USAW weightlifting club in the state of Kentucky. Uh, so moving into that to that conversation, being a woman in uh, weightlifting. And uh, I'll go back to Gaiman, and, and as uh, Steph was talking about body image, you know, a lot of the times we'll get young female athletes that don't want to lift weights because they feel like they're going to get bulky, uh, their jeans won't fit, uh, their their shoulders are going to get too broad, whatever the case might be. What was your thought into wanting to get into the sport of weightlifting?
3: Um, so... A lot of you guys know, like, I've struggled with body image and um, eating disorders in, in my past. And, you know, sh- the strength conditioning itself has kind of helped me come out of that. And then, you know, now finally training towards something I think has helped tremendously. You know, like, a- instead of viewing exercise as, you know, I'm trying to burn calories, I'm training for something, I'm trying to get stronger. Um, so that's been awesome it's very empowering to do Olympic lifts and to, you know, improve your strength that way That gets you know, 100 pounds over your head and then slam it down when you're done is an amazing feeling. And, um, I know our athletes love it too. Um, so, and then, you know, I actually went through this period, um, from uh, like around fall to spring where I like, I wasn't a small anymore. I'm like a medium. So, um, that was kind of, Weird for me because you know, I've been used to like, you know, I need to drop size or like, you know, stay, but now I'm like, you know, I look stronger, I am stronger, you know, who cares if I'm going up in a size like, you know, if I look good and I feel good, you know, it doesn't matter. Um, and I think, you know, kind of like going back to what Steph said, if you know, you have a, a woman, you know, coach who understands and is comfortable in her own body and can kind of, like, reiterate that message to others, I think that's super important, Um, especially, you know, someone who's kind of, like, been through those struggles and can help other young athletes understand, like, hey, lifting weights, you know, you might put on some muscle, but that's a good thing. You know, it's going to help you in your sport, and it's going to, like, make you feel empowered and, like, you know, tough and just, like, be kind of, like, the best version of yourself, I think.
0: So you said something that I think – hits the nail on the head in going along with the situation that we're all in right now we have very few athletes um, that are on campus training with their strength coach here at Kentucky and one thing I've been trying to convey to all of my athletes is there's a difference between training and working out working out your mind frame might be what you said guyman is i got to burn calories i want to drop a a size i want to uh, lose five pounds as opposed to training for something as it relates back to your athletic performance um let me ask you this so as you are getting stronger your technique is getting better you're you're learning more and more about the sport of weightlifting but like you said you went from a small to a medium Was that hard?
3: It was at first, but you know, like I, I've come to terms, kind of like looking in the mirror and being sad, like happy with myself. You know, there are there are definitely days it comes and goes where I'm like, oh, like I'm not, like I look fat and da da da. But then I like, you know, I go into training that day and like, you know, I'm hitting good weight and stuff. I'm like, this is good. You know, this is, this is how it goes. I can't be squatting two hundred plus pounds and being size extra small. It just doesn't work like that. And I'd rather be strong than be this tiny little stick. And that comes back to, you know, my image as well. Like I wanna be this presence on the floor. I don't want to be like hiding in between the racks like you can barely freaking see me. So um that was definitely it was I think it was good for me and a good like growth step in my um, you know, my growth as coming out of things I've dealt with in the past and then you know in the sport of weightlifting there's also weight classes so I was very hesitant to compete because of that too um and I was like do I just compete you know as I am do I cut some weight and um with the guidance of wood like he really helped me you know he was like okay this is where you're kind of sitting at now you know the week of competition just kind of start cutting down your water and see where you get and I ended up you know cutting a few pounds just on water weight and um being able to make my weight class compete there and then like be right back up the next week and I was worried about that at first because I'd never really tried to cut my weight since you know having issues and like it was fine I handled I handled it well I didn't spiral out of control with the whole cutting and it was really good. So another kind of like growth aspect where like I can be a little more mature about those things.
0: Good insight, Guyman. Uh, BMAC, I know kind of like you mentioned beforehand, you know, being the person that replaced missing, you know, your identity as a strength coach um, wasn't where it is now in terms of lifting. I know you getting stronger has been something that's been on your mind for quite a while. And same thing with Guyman, you improved your technique, you've gotten stronger in a lot of lifts, but maybe talk through your, where your mind was at as you began this journey into Olympic weightlifting.
2: Yeah, so I was a basketball player, um, and we lifted for sport, and that was it, and then once I quit that, um, I kind of took a break from training, and I put on some weight, and long story short, I got into long distance running, and I was kind of like uh, Emily, where I I worked out to burn calories, you know, and, and that was kind of my mindset and I think even I mean clearly throughout this conversation it's kind of evident I didn't enter Kentucky as confident as I am now um it's, this place has made me into a much stronger and, and more self-assured person than um, I ever imagined becoming when I came here but um I struggled a lot my first several years here because I just ran I didn't eat enough I um you know I was 130 pounds on a, a high day um, and I, I wasn't strong, and, and then I was very unconfident about that for a while because I wasn't super strong. I always wanted to be the coach that power cleans, you know, 110 um, kilos and shows the athletes they can do it. And so it took me a while to get to where I am now, and kind of like Emily, I mean, I was 130, now I'm a, I'm 150, so I've put on quite a bit of weight as I've gotten here, and I've put on a lot of strength as well. And, it, I mean, my family was very much like we pushed the values of, like, you know, being tiny and small we were all runners for a while and so even as I told my family like man I want to put on weight I'm going to put on muscle they were like are you sure like why do you want to do that so it's been quite a long journey of getting to that um and then from a training side like I would watch Woods workouts and I'd watch you lift too and I was like man you know it's impressive you know their technique is amazing but I don't think I could do the same three lifts all the time like I never thought that this sport would appeal to me um and it really wasn't until this summer I just kind of turned a corner one day and I was I was tired of of failing in the same ways with my lifts and I was tired of not making improvements. And so I started talking to Wood and I said, you know, I asked him a few things about it and he he said he'd start working with me. Um, And that was August of last year. And I fell in love with it. Like within the first cycle, it was, you know, just kind of got me hooked. Um, And just like Emily said, I, there are days where you still, you know, not, no one ever loves everything about themselves all the time in the mirror. Um, But now I see strength. And now as I start to see myself able to do more things, it's, you know, I don't, look in there and be like, man, I'm, you know, I always thought I'd be closer to the 130 range for my weight and stuff. I I look at it and I'm like, this is a body that can do a lot more than I used to. Um, And I think kind of what Steph said before too, where we are supposed to be the example and we show our athletes what a strong body is. um, I took over some teams as well that didn't used to like to lift. Um, Women's golf had never really lifted. Women's soccer was not huge into lifting. And I think that in the last year or so me gaining that confidence and me, being okay with um you know weighing a little bit more but being stronger has helped me kind of push that message to them and say like hey women's golf we're going to start lifting your body might change a little bit but this is everything you're going to get out of it and I haven't had too many issues with them being like man I want to get bulky here can we not do this like they saw how much I believed in that and they kind of bought on to, bought into that and, and that pushed on to them as well so kind of as I've gotten confidence like you said it's helped me be a better coach.
0: Great, so we've been going for uh, quite a while now. One thing I wanna end with, and I'll start with Steph, is if you could give a young female strength coach any advice, knowing what you know of being in college athletics for uh, many, many years, what would that be?
2: Wow.
1: You didn't give me a heads up on that nope,
0: one. Nope, didn't. I want to see what's on you top You didn't. Of it.
1: You didn't. You just wanted to see what's on top of it. Um, I, think, um, I think that if you're serious about strength and conditioning, and this is something that you want to do, um, I think it's important to understand that it's it's a commitment. Um, and I mean that in a really good way. It's not It's not a field that allows you to have one foot in and one foot out. You're either all in or you're not you know and and i love the all in approach because you're completely absorbed inside of what you're doing and that's really growing people and adding value to people's lives and i think that's why we're all inside of it um i would also say you know have the courage to do it because you know as i've sat here and listened i mean all of us um and that includes the the male on the on the program here that has said you know i i've i didn't feel strong enough i didn't you know i, I and so I think that that's just something to understand is anytime you're in a transitional phase in your life, just to really understand that it's normal to have doubts and really kind of be um, courageous with those doubts. Um, and I think it's important to know, especially as a woman, that when you get in the field, you got to compete. Um, it's, it's one of those things where you're going to have to just shine a little bit st- You know, a little bit more inside of your competence or you're going to have to shine a little bit more inside of those things. And I mean, we tell the story of me cleaning and jerking the the weight, but at some point you've got to draw the line for yourself and show that you're competent or you have some ability that others may not have so that they understand that you are credible in what you're doing. Um, and that credibility comes from just a lot of different experiences and different wins and different failures even. But um, I just think it's, it's really important to, to understand that you're going to have to compete. And with that, I would say probably one of the biggest mistakes I made inside of my career is that in that competition, because we're all in athletics, right? Like we all, we all want to compete. Um, I, I felt um, I would compete against other people right? And I would compete even against my counterparts that were women. I would see women at other institutions. I'd be like, oh, she's doing that. Well, I need to compete against this or this. And in reality, those are my allies and those are the people that I should be working with instead of competing against. And the biggest competition that you'll ever face is within yourself, like we've kind of already talked about. So I think it's just really important to um, have the courage. You got to be competent. You got to produce Um, but at the end of the day, it's one of the best professions you can actually be in because you are impacting not only those around you, but you have the ability to impact yourself and really make yourself better as we've all talked about here.
0: I'm going to ask you one more question, Steph, because I think that it would be interesting to hear your perspective as a mom. You have two kids. You had both Charlie and Piper when you were still in the weight room. Not in the weight room physically, but when you were still a strength coach. Almost. Uh, Almost, yeah. (laughs) So here's a fun story. So it was Piper, right? Piper, (laughs) yeah. Before Piper was born, the day before, I was in Shively by myself. We got a Gatorade order, and Guyman knows nothing about Gatorade orders because Monica takes care of it now. But Gatorade order would show up, and it is thousands of pounds of cases of Gatorade shakes that we had to move from outside to inside. And if you were there by yourself, It was the worst thing in the world. So Gatorade order shows up. I'm the only one there. For some reason, Steph showed up to do something. She she actually helped me carry in cases of Gatorade shakes. Hours before your water broke when you were in Kroger, getting Scott Willis's cookie cake for his birthday. But, yeah, yeah. the question I wanted to ask you, and and somebody alluded to it at the beginning, is being a strength coach, starting a family, being a mom. The one thing I know is true and is something that we still hold uh, true in our program today is we have a contingency plan, meaning that if one of my boys gets sick and I have to stay at home with him, uh, BMAC could pick up my program and run my volleyball workout with no hiccups. She would know exactly what's going on Um, so we are always able to cover for each other. Is there any other advice you would give to somebody that is looking to start a family, love strength conditioning, but is nervous about the aspect of not thinking they can do both knowing that it's anything in athletics and having a family is tough, but strength conditioning specifically, what would you say to that person?
1: Yeah, I think that anything is, you know, if that's what you want to do, and that's a choice you want to make, then you're going to make it work, right? And I think each individual situation is different. Um, I'm fortunate to have um, an incredible husband um, who really has stepped up and really supports me. He's actually a very selfless, giving person. And he um, took the girls a lot when they were young, and he managed through that um, while I would travel or do certain things. And So I just think it's important to to understand what support systems you have and understand too, like who your employer is and what flexibility you're able to build inside of of your schedule. Um, But I will say this for me, you know, I I was a little bit later in life having children. I was um, 30, gosh, 33, 33 or 34 when I had Piper and that's my first one. Um, And that allowed me to establish my career as a woman. And I will say that that was probably the best decision I made for myself because at that point I had um, stable ground. I had built a foundation for myself. I had built a staff. I had built a competent staff. You know, I had set them up for success. I knew we were going to be in good hands. And so when I stepped away to have my children and for maternity leave and all that stuff after, we were in a good place. And I had built good, strong relationships with the coaches and all the support staff. So I would say, you know, timing, sometimes you can't control that, right? But for me, that was a big benefit for me. Um, And the other thing I would say is, um, we talked about the timeline of experiences, right? Or the timeline in a person's life and the different things that you learn along the way. You know, I thought I was a really good coach before I had children. And I was good at certain things. And I did certain things a certain way. But after I had children, my whole perspective changed. Um, And I, I looked at, I I, this sounds very bad, but I started looking at our athletes as people and not just as like these little machines that I told to do stuff. And you know, we were producing athletes. You know, I went from producing athletes and machines to I'm actually producing people and somebody else's children. And, you know, whatever that crossover in my mind was, that was made for me. And it actually made me a much better coach. So if that's something that you want to do, you know, and that's something that you're looking, I would encourage it. And I think that you, you know, just start asking questions to others who have children in the profession. And many, many, many of the women that have been in the profession have children and they found a way to work.
0: I think it that out, would be so. an- another great episode if we had you, Kathy Crow wagner maybe one or two other uh, mm-hmm. female strength coaches or former strength coaches that are moms on the podcast and just talking through, because that could be another 45-minute conversation. Mm-hmm. Uh, BMAC, going to you, what would be one thing you would uh, uh, tell a young female strength coach getting into this business?
2: Um, I'd say have no fear. I think that the, the place that we're at, like, well, we've said the, the things that, you know, generations before me had to face as a female, um, those issues aren't as prevalent anymore. And so like coming in and having no fear will help. Like Steph said, when you need to perform and you need to come in and show up, you know, and do your thing and and show what you've got. And I think too, like the biggest thing that surprised me over the last couple of years is whenever you're trying to do something quite often, if you just ask, like people are going to work with you and, and help you to get there or allow you to do it. Um, so there are a lot of things where I thought, you know, I've, as I've stepped through all the different roles we've outlined, it's like, I don't, I don't know if they'd ever let me do that. Like that's never been a thing before. I don't know if anyone would change with this. Like I've just had no fear with it and just said, Hey, can I do this? And, and people have worked with you. So if you come into it, like, and, and confine yourself to certain boundaries, I think you won't be as effective of a, a leader or, a, you know, a person making change as much as if you just have that, that confidence to go for it.
0: Guyman, last but not least, what advice would you give?
3: Uh, Stefan, Brenna pretty much said it all. Um, one thing I would add is, you know, once you realize you're committed, you know, you want to be a strength coach. Don't let anyone discourage you. Um, I don't know if this is even related to me being a female, female, but I've had someone tell me the the CSCS test is impossible. It's super hard. You know. It's a very hard field to get into. And then, like, turns out he like failed it a bunch of times. And then I passed it my first time. So, like, take that and like prove them wrong. If you like get comments like that, just be like, okay, I'm gonna prove you wrong. So that's what I got for you.
0: Don't drink the Kool Aid of the negative people that are out there. But thank you so much. Yeah, don't be an energy vampire. Get on the energy bus. I'll send you a ticket. Yeah. Yeah uh thank you so much guys for being on uh today great conversation um i think it's going to be very insightful for our listeners but if you all out there listening have any feedback for us don't hesitate to email us at ukstrength at UKY.edu. thanks and go cats